Hello and welcome to episode 244 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It's my pleasure to be with you this morning. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Monday, July the 18th, 2022, Anno Domini, continuing in this month of July, the month dedicated to worshiping and adoring the most precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to look at the book Devotion to the Precious Blood by Father M.F. Walls, which was initially published in 1925. This section of the text is entitled Bomb for the Sick and Consolation for the Dying. Let us begin. Pain, as beautifully described by Père Lorraine, not only respects the past, that is, It is not only expiatory in character, but it is one of the finest signs of God's mindfulness for us in the present, as well as for the future. We are afflicted that we may be saved, and the hand that wounds is also the hand that heals. Through suffering, new spiritual life is born from this partial destruction of our being. God allows jealous rivalries, cruel disappointments, unexpected humiliations to accomplish the same. Here he shatters a fortune. There he humbles a pride, dissipates this man's dreams for the future, strikes that man in his affections. Maybe for another, all earthly happiness will be swallowed up at a blow. In all this lies the mission of pain, to bring God nearer to us and to raise us up to God. It detaches us from this wicked world and our sinful habits. Our sufferings ascend to heaven like sweet incense even as a log is raised to the skies by applying fire to it and letting it go up in flame and smoke. Pain is a grace which sanctifies the soul. Through it, a sort of mystic union is effected, which unites the life of the suffering soul to the very life of the suffering God-man. And in this contact of the soul with God, pain is transmuted into power of redemption. Those who are patient and resigned to the will of God acquire a likeness to their divine master, assuming the liniments of the crucified, especially if their sufferings be, in a measure, undeserved. They are identified with Jesus Christ as victims of his special love, offered in expiation for the sins of the wicked world, and as such they become a part of the vast scheme of atonement. Without the shedding of blood there is no remission, says St. Paul. It matters little whether it be the blood of bodily wounds or tears, which are the blood of the soul. The good God, says a curie of ours, asks not for the martyrdom of our bodies, but for the martyrdom of our hearts and wills. There is an apostolate of suffering, as well as an apostolate of prayer and labor. For whom he foreknew, he also predestinated to be made conformable to the image of his Son. Romans 8.29 Jesus Christ continues to make reparation through those whose mission it is to suffer with him for this sin-sick world. That is what St. Paul meant when, persecuted like his master, he said of himself, I fill up these things that are wanting of the sufferings of Christ. What a consoling truth this should be for the sick, especially for nervous persons who feel like outcasts from human society and frequently consider themselves abandoned even by God. Their past sins, even their smaller faults, weigh heavily upon them. They imagine that God has forsaken them on account of their mistakes in life and their offenses against him. And they feel that neither in this life nor in the next can they receive forgiveness or attain happiness. Look up to the cross, despondent souls. You who share in the bitter abandonment of your dying Savior, 
and listen to the words of the beloved disciple. He has loved us and washed us in his blood. And he loves us now as much as he did then. O sweetest blood that can implore pardon of God and heaven restore, the heaven that sin has lost, while Abel's blood for vengeance pleads, what Jesus shed still intercedes for those who wrong him most. For neurotic persons, at a certain stage in their despondency, the future has not in store but gloom and despair. And I wept much, writes St. John, of what he saw as a pilgrim in heaven, because no man was found worthy to open the book nor to see it. To this book, by which is meant the history of the fall and redemption of mankind, the future of our own lives may be compared. It is a sealed book to us, and a most perplexing riddle full of anxieties and fearful uncertainties, especially for the nerve-wracked. And one of the ancients said to me, continues St. John, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed to open the book, and loose the seven seals thereof. And I saw a lamb standing as it were slain, and he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had opened the book, they sang a new canticle, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to take the book, and to open the seals thereof, because thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God in thy blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us to our God, a kingdom and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Apocalypse 5, 1-10 through 10. Therefore weep not, dear despondent soul. The lamb that was slain, but rose again on the third day, as the lion of the tribe of Judah, will lead you safely through your labyrinth of gloom and despair, if you will but cling to him by the virtue of hope. The lamb that was slain becomes the lion of the tribe of Judah. Ideo victor quia victima, says St. Augustine. Christ is the victor because he became a victim. St. Paul encourages us in these words, In all things we suffer tribulation, but we are not distressed. We are straightened, but we are not destitute. We suffer persecution, but are not forsaken. We are cast down, but we perish not. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man is corrupted, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Thus from the seeming destruction of your being, you will emerge renewed in heart and character your soul purified and sanctified, and worthy to sing a new canticle of life. These are they who are come out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall rule them and shall lead them to the fountains of the waters of life, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Apocalypse seven, fourteen through 17 In the light of our future glory, our present tribulations should seem light and transient indeed. We are on our way to life everlasting, to the land of the living, to the world, to the life, to the light. The road thither leads us through long and dark tunnels, then again up steep paths covered with thorns and thistles. Our present infirmities will serve but to shorten the way. All heaven is awaiting us at the other end. The blood of Christ is truly a balm for the sick and a consolation for the dying. The sacrament of extreme unction is the channel through which the precious blood is conveyed to the sick during their last moments by means of the application of the holy oils to the wounds of body and soul. The devotion to the blood of Jesus has the wonderful distinction of dispelling the fear of death and the dread of meeting our judge. Hebrews 10:19 says, having therefore a confidence 
in the entering into the holies of the blood by the blood of Christ. The blood of our Lord, wherever it is found, must produce great confidence in God. Confidence in God is its primary and principal effect. Not only does it give us confidence through the belief that we have been bought at so great a price, but it gives confidence by a kind of heredity, a psychological transformation in the spirit that receives it. We become spiritually, supernaturally sanguine. We expect everything from God, precisely because we have in our veins that precious blood that makes the heart of the Son of God throb with unlimited confidence in the goodness of the Father. Those are the words of Dom Ansgar Vanier. The blood of Jesus Christ, says St. Bernard, speaks with trumpet tones, not of the judgments of God, but of his mercies. The great St. Thomas Aquinas calls the precious blood the key to the heavenly paradise. How consoling are the words of St. John Chrysostom. This blood has the power to drive away the evil spirits and to draw to our side the good angel, I, the king of angels, and to blazon the way to heaven. Ah, how well the saints knew the wonderful power of the blood of the God-man. O blood of Jesus, shed for love of me, exclaimed St. Francis Caraccioli at the hour of his death. Thou belongest to me. I ask it of thee, O Lord. Thou canst not refuse it to me, because it is mine. Then he devoutly kissed the five wounds of the crucified and repeated again and again, Blood of my Jesus, thou art mine, and only with thee and through thee I hope to be saved. Thou too, discouraged soul, art stretched upon a cross of pain, twixt earth and heaven. Being above the earth, its comforts and vain hopes can give thee no relief. And since thou art yet fastened to the earth, Heaven and its consolations are far from thee. Look up to the cross of Christ, despondent soul, nay, happy soul, and cherish the bitter abandonment of thy dying Savior. For thy sake, his cry of agony, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, is piercing the very heavens. Courage, sad heart, thy God has not forsaken thee. The beloved disciple says, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Because the accuser of our brethren is cast forth, who accused them before our God day and night, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Apocalypse 12, 10 and 11. You, who sometime were afar off, were made nigh by the blood of Christ in the sacrament of baptism. Your soul, stained by sin, was time and again washed by the sacrament of penance. In Holy Communion, you were brought still nearer to Jesus. You entered into the closest relationship with our Lord so that his divine life pulsated in yours. In confirmation, your soul received the impression of an indelible seal, which marked you as the property of God. And how many masses was your soul sprinkled with the precious blood of your Redeemer? And now in the sacrament of extreme unction, And in the plenary indulgence for the hour of death, the precious blood achieves its final triumph here on earth so that you may appear with the robe of royalty before your judge. In the words of the Dies Irae, you may well exclaim, faint and weary, thou hast sought me, on the cross of suffering bought me. Shall such grace in vain be brought me? Thou who didst the robber here, biddest me with a hope draw near, Bid me come to thee above with thy saints to sing thy love. Now you are prepared to enter. Now you are prepared to join the saints. Now you are entitled to sing. And the echo with your death chamber will be with thy saints to sing thy love. 
from heaven the words of St. John fall like a gentle dew upon your grave. Blessed are they that wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb. So ends that segment of the reading for today. It is a great consolation, my friends, when we think about whatever trials and tribulations we've gone through. And the last two plus years in the world have been crazy, haven't they? Both in the church and in the world with everything that's been going on. But we can offer up these sufferings for our loved ones, an expiation for our sins, for the relief of the holy souls in purgatory, most especially, they need our prayers. And we know that the sufferings that we endure in this life, St. Paul tells us, is nothing in comparison to the glory to come. We can have the most miserable, most rotten life here on earth, try to live a virtuous existence by God's grace, and always be misunderstood. Perhaps someone listening to this might, right now might have been the victim of, of physical abuse, verbal abuse, whatever the case might be. Offer up everything that you're going through, united to our Lord's cross for his glory, for the honor of Our Lady of Fatima, for the honor of St. Joseph and all the angels and saints. They're always with you. They're always praying for you. You are never alone. Jesus Christ loves you more than you can possibly imagine. Let us take a look at Plinio Correa de Oliveira, Prophet of the Reign of Mary. Once again, this is authored by Professor Roberto Di Mattei. And I highly recommend you picking up a copy for yourself. Today's installment is entitled The Montfortian Principles on which the Reign of Mary is founded. St. Louis Marie lists the reasons why God wants to unveil and manifest Mary, the masterpiece of his hands, in the historical era he calls the century or reign of Mary. Number one, because she kept herself hidden in this world and in her great humility, considered herself lower than dust, having obtained from God his apostles and evangelists the favor of not being made known. The words of the gospel, that he who humbles himself will be exalted, Luke one fifty two, should be read as applying mainly to Mary, just as the statement that everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and crushed into dust should apply primarily to the devil. Number two, Because as Mary is not only God's masterpiece of glory in heaven, but also his masterpiece of grace on earth, he wishes to be glorified and praised because of her by those living upon earth. He who glorifies her glorifies him. Mary is the mirror through which the light of God is communicated to us, and we contemplate the divine light. Since she is the dawn which precedes and discloses the Son of Justice, Jesus Christ, she must be known and acknowledged so that Jesus may be known and acknowledged. The divine legislator of the universe willed that everything that is created had a meaning, referring first and foremost to God, Jesus Christ, and the Blessed Virgin. Mary is to God as the moon is to the star that rules the universe. Number four, as she was the way by which Jesus first came to us, she will again be the way by which he will come to us the second time though not in the same manner. The designs of God do not change, 
Their stability and consistency transcend the ages. This is what has happened and will happen once again. Number five, since she is the sure means, the direct and immaculate way to Jesus and the perfect guide to him, it is through her that souls who are to shine forth in sanctity must find him. He who finds Mary finds life, that is, Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. But no one can find Mary who does not look for her. No one can look for her who does not know her, for no one seeks or desires something unknown. Mary, then, must be better known than ever for the deeper understanding and the greater glory of the Blessed Trinity. The Holy Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, is the only Son that illuminates the universe. But this Son is so dazzling that it requires a secure means to be known, loved, and served. According to the saint, knowing, loving, and serving Mary is the sure way to penetrate the sublime mysteries of the Most Holy Trinity. Number six. Mary must shine forth more than ever in mercy, power, and grace. In mercy to bring back and welcome lovingly the poor sinners and wanderers who are to be converted and returned to the Catholic Church. In power to combat the enemies of God who will rise up menacingly to seduce and crush by promises and threats all those who oppose them. Finally, she must shine forth in grace to inspire and support the valiant soldiers and loyal servants of Jesus Christ who are fighting for his cause. This is the specific role reserved to the Blessed Virgin. She was created not only to be the mother of the Savior, but also to be the mother of the children of Jesus Christ, and in this caring motherhood manifest his glory, supporting them in the battles they will have to wage against the children of darkness until the end of time. And number seven, lastly, Mary must become as terrible as an army in battle array to the devil and his followers, especially in these latter times. For Satan... Knowing that he has little time, even less now than ever, to destroy souls intensifies his efforts and his onslaughts every day. He will not hesitate to stir up savage persecutions and set treacherous snares for Mary's faithful servants and children, whom he finds more difficult to overcome than others. The saint draws the great picture of the battle, clearly led by divine inspiration. So ends the reading for today. Isn't that what we're encountering? In these days, my friends, it seems like the enemies of the Lord have been stirred up more than ever. We see women in the United States horribly misguided, cheering for abortion, demanding that babies be killed. That is downright demonic, whether they realize it or not. And some people are, some of these folks are obviously involved in Satanism. They might be possessed. But whether they realize it or not, they're doing the demon's work. You do not want to be on the side of the enemies of the Lord. You want to be in God's army. And the Blessed Mother is in charge of that army. The Blue Army, you might say. So let us be deeply, deeply devoted to Our Lady. If you get nothing else from listening to Our Lady's podcast, I want you to get this. Pray the rosary every single day of your life. And as I've mentioned several times before, you fathers and grandfathers out there, please, please, please lead your wives and your children or your grandchildren in the rosary daily. It is the weapon for these times. 
when St. Padre Pio said, bring me my weapon, people knew exactly what he was talking about. He was talking about the rosary. Let us continue to love the Blessed Mother and ask the Lord for the grace to love her more and more because she always brings Jesus. She always brings Jesus to souls and she brings souls to Jesus. And just as 2,000 years ago, she brought Jesus into the world by the power of the Holy Ghost. So now, during the reign of the Blessed Virgin Mary, which I believe we're in the initial stages of, and it will become obvious very soon, she is going to lead the way for the second coming of our Lord, whenever that might be. We are living, I think, I believe, in the initial stages of the reign of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Let us pray that that becomes manifest soon. Toward that end, here is the prayer for the hastening of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary by Bishop Schneider. Oremos. O Immaculate Heart of Mary, Holy Mother of God and our tender mother, look upon the distress in which the whole of mankind is living due to the spread of materialism, godlessness, and the persecution of the Catholic faith. In our own day, the mystical body of Christ is bleeding from so many wounds caused within the church by the unpunished spread of heresies, the justification of sins against the sixth commandment, the seeking of the kingdom of earth rather than that of heaven, the horrendous sacrileges against the most holy Eucharist, especially through the practice of communion in the hand and the Protestant shaping of the celebration of the Holy Mass. Amidst these trials appeared the light of the consecration of Russia to thine immaculate heart by the Pope in union with the world's bishops. In Fatima, thou didst request the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays of the month. Implore the Divine Son to grant a special grace to the Pope that he might approve the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. May Almighty God hasten the time when Russia will convert to Catholic unity, mankind will be given a time of peace, and the Church will be granted an authentic renewal in the purity of the Catholic faith, the sacredness of divine worship, and the holiness of Christian life. O Mediatrix of all graces, O Queen of the Most Holy Rosary and our sweet Mother, turn thine eyes of mercy towards us and graciously hear this, our trusting prayer. Amen. The Prayer of St. Louis de Montfort. Hail Joseph the Just, wisdom is with you. Blessed are you among all men, and blessed is Jesus, the fruit of Mary, your faithful spouse. Holy Joseph, worthy foster father of Jesus Christ, pray for us sinners and obtain divine wisdom for us from God now and at the hour of our death. Amen. By thy pure and immaculate conception, O Mary, obtain for me the conversion of Russia, Spain, Portugal, Europe, the United States of America, Canada, and the whole world. Virgo potens, ora pro nobis, sancti Joseph, terra daimonem, ora pro nobis, in nomine patris et filii et spiritus sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 244 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. In your charity, please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. Follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Fatima Podcast. And most especially, pray for the eternal salvation of Pope Francis. Goodbye and God love you. <laughs>